Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Curley and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Brett Terpshire. Hi, Brett. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm awesome. Good. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. So, Mr. Terpshire, what do you like to be known for these days? Marked and Mark II. That's, yeah. that's all I want to be known for. Why is Ignore that? the rest of me. <laughs> Just don't pay any attention to anything else that I do. Just Mark II. No. no, I like attention. That's okay. Yeah. So all the attention. Any, any attention on that. is good. <laughs> what is, I'm going to start. The, we're going to break from the from my my questions for you and just get you to tell me this right up front. What is marked two? Uh, it's uh, it's a previewer from Markdown, which sounds kind of lame, but it adds all kinds of uh, quick navigation. You can collapse headers, collapse sections, navigate with table of contents. Plus, it has a ton of writing tools for like highlighting. Uh, well, I just added passive voice highlighting. But it highlights weasel words and all kinds of keywords and does a ton of stuff. Now I'm going to come back to Mark a little later on. Okay. But there's something I want to talk to you about first off. Um, you have moved on from AOL. You've gone to, you've you've taken yourself full time as it's called on the internet, right? You you are now an independent person. Currently, yes. What made you made you make this decision? Well, I. Uh, uh, it was a kind of a perfect storm. I realized at one point that I was making as much money on the side with my side projects as I was at my day job. And I did the math and realized, you know, quitting my day job would mean I made half as much, but I was still making enough to live comfortably on. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I don't have, I don't need that much money. So I figured I could handle it financially. And I was definitely enjoying my side projects more than I was enjoying my day job. It used to be a year ago, I didn't feel that way. I, I really, really enjoyed going to work every day. But things changed, like structure changes and, and, and workflow changes at work. And uh, it, I realized I was unhappy. And I don't have time in my career or my life goals to do anything that makes me consistently unhappy. What were you doing at AOL? I was the tech lead for the uh, the division of AOL called AOL Tech that handles Engadget and the unofficial Apple weblog, Joystick, and others. Um, so basically, I was doing uh, mid-level web work and some front-end. And then I moved mostly into front-end design and development. You mentioned going to work. Was Were you going into physical office <laughs> or you working from home? No, by that I mean I was logging into IRC. <laughs> Going downstairs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I, you have a, a great podcast on, on 5x5 called Systematic. Thank you. And on this show... And for, call, for calling it great, not for, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is a great show. Um, no, <laughs> I, there is not one person on the internet that would disagree, I'm sure. Wait, can I say that that has always surprised me? Uh, in the 50, 80... 83 episodes that it's run now. Do you know how many like negative comments I've gotten? Go on. None. Really? No one has ever told me anything bad. Wow. Which is uncomfortable for me because I feel like maybe there are people that just give it a quick listen, have negative feelings, but don't care enough to, to voice them. In my opinion, that tends to be 
how things are. Somebody has to really hate what you're doing with a podcast to tell you that they don't enjoy it. Um, I have had some of those messages. Oh, but, those people are dicks. Well, you know, I've been doing this for four years nearly, and I I really have not also had very many. I've had, of course, had some, but I have not had very many negative comments over my podcasting career, especially when outweighed. I think people just don't do it. From, it's weird coming from like a blogging background where, especially when you work on bigger blogs like the unofficial Apple Web Blog or Engadget, people are, are vicious. Like everything you say gets at least two or three vicious res- responses. It's so weird. The podcasting world is very different from that. I think it, there's a couple of, obviously I thought a lot about this. There's a couple of interesting things that I see as to why I think that is. One, with blogs, people come across you more. Um, with a podcast, you kind of don't stumble across them. You know, you kind of have to, you find the page and then you have to, to click play. I think with blogs, people link to you and stuff a lot more. So you tend to come across someone, you might not realize what you're reading. And then you, you know, you get angry because you're reading Brett's site again and you hate Brett. So you must tell him. Um, and I think the other is that idea that especially with writing on, on sites, you know, that have multi authors, that people will read you again, not necessarily knowing who you are. Right. It, yeah, there's an impersonality to those blogs. You, people can respond because they don't feel that person like they're it doesn't feel like you're criticizing a human it feels like you're criticizing like a corporation or something. Exactly. Or maybe it's just because nobody listens to podcasts. Uh, yeah, I know how that is. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your question. No, that was a nice tangent. I enjoyed that. So as I was saying, like, you know, on, on your show, um, you've, you've spoken a bunch of times about uh, focus and getting lost in projects and just generally the fact that, you know, you stay awake all night and all of these things and you have an interesting schedule that you keep. How has leaving a structured job changed that? Mm. Well, my wife keeps me pretty much... Like I have a bedtime and I have a, a biological clock that wakes me up every morning. So I've maintained a certain consistency. I still have my all-nighters. Like I thought I'd be done with the all-nighters once I didn't have – like once I had more free time during the day, I didn't think I'd stay up all night as much. But I still get uh, obsessed with projects and can't put them down and all of a sudden it's like – Two in the morning, and I think, okay, one more hour, and I'll go to bed. And then it's four in the morning, and I missed my deadline, and I just say, screw it, I'll stay up. You can't stop the inspiration clock. That's right. And one o'clock in the morning is like my witching hour. That's when all my best ideas happen. So is it too early to say whether this sort of change in defined structure has been a positive or negative change? It's been a positive change. I am really, really enjoying what I'm doing. I've already, uh, like financially, like everything's already breaking even. I feel confident that it was a good decision. I'm talking to a very, very, very large corporation that headhunted me while I was at AOL and started an interview process. And I made it through the interviews. I meant like the last technical interview right now. But I've kind of decided... I'm going to write them prior to the interview and say, I can't do it because I'm really, I, I want to be independent right now. That's really interesting. Why did you attend the interviews before this point? Because this particular company would have been 
quite the stepping stone in my career if I had decided that was to be my career. But you've decided that you don't want to pursue it. You've decided that that that's the type of career you don't want, or is it just yeah. for a wrong time? It would be working in front-end web development, and what I'm doing now is is app development, writing. Like that's that's what I want to do. Front-end web development is kind of I'm leaving it behind. I think. So you're basically focusing on doing what you want to do now. Exactly. That's not yeah, a bad. I've, I've thing even to been turning about. down freelance jobs. Why is that? I don't, I don't. I don't want to work for anyone right now. I, I have too many ideas and too many things that I know I can produce that are entirely on my own, maybe you know through a publisher, but not for some not not creating someone else's ideas. With all of these ideas that you've got, how are you managing to stay on top of tasks and projects now now that you don't necessarily have a boss that is going to require them of you? Well, I. I talked to Marco about this topic, uh, Marco Arment, and he said that trying to define a structure was pointless. And I decided that I would foolhardily uh, ignore that and tell myself that, you know, like Mondays are for writing, Tuesdays are for developing, etc. And I've tried that now for a couple of weeks. And the fact is, it doesn't work that way. The fact is, I'll start working on a book on Monday. And after a couple hours, I'll get a support request from Mark that's, that's an emergency. And then I'll switch over to fix a bug. And the next thing I know, I've developed for the rest of the day. So everything, you just have to do what you are in the mood to or required to do at any given time. And then just try to control blocks of time so that you can get done the other projects that you need to. Did you do anything to change your working space in any way when you went independent? Um, not, well, I, I changed my working space after I went independent, but not to, uh, not for that reason. It, it was just more circumstance. I got rid of a huge desk and put in a new walking desk and it, but it's not a big change cause I have a walking desk right now. I had one anyway. I mean, yeah. You doing the no. walking thing. What's that? You're doing the walking thing. Yeah, I have been since uh, like last June, I think. Maybe last July. I uh, I have a treadmill desk and I I use it about half half the day, maybe a third of the day. I actually walk and then I stand and then I'll sit for part of the day, especially for like podcasts. I'll be seated. Um, but it's helped, it's helped my overall health, my weight a little bit. It's been good. Have you ever considered co-working or anything like that? Do you need to be around other people at any point to do your work? I hate other people. <laughs> no, I've, I, I can't. Like, that's the reason I always believe that people like me are way more productive as remote workers. I, I mean, I can handle chatting with someone in an IRC and being able to turn that off and have silence when I need it. Working with other people is very energy draining to me. I'm very introverted. Do you miss the IRC that was part of AOL? I didn't even turn it on for two weeks. Dan uh, Dan yelled at me. Not yelled, but he's like, are you ever going to be on AIM again? And uh, I, I said I would, tr- I would make an effort to be. But no, I don't miss. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stress point for me having to pay attention to something that keeps b- bouncing and having badges pop up and 
and you know what when it's your day job you're kind of required to be available you're you're required to answer those pings now it's more bearable because if i'm in the middle of something and i see a badge come up on adium i can ignore it until i'm ready so you don't have it bouncing in the dock then oh i, I don't have anything bounce bouncing is horrible when you made um the decision to to go independent why did you decide that going it alone would be the best choice. So what I mean by that is, did you explore any other avenues before leaving AOL? Did you think about other things that you wanted to do? Or for you, was it just, I want to go do my side projects full time. There's no other option for me right now. This is what I want to do. No, I had other options. I debated quite a few paths. Um, I'm a, I could have done anything from switch to another department at AOL to uh, you know, pursue the job opportunity that had come up while I was there. Uh, to setting up freelance, I had uh, potential jobs with a few startups. Um, and I kind of weighed everything and said, I- I'm going to take a chance and just do what I'm really passionate about right now. And if worse comes to worse, I don't think many of these options are going to go away. I can just postpone them. Obviously, it's difficult to see this right now because, you know, it's quite fresh and you're still within it. But let's say that things continue the way that they have um, and that, you know, you continue to be successful in your side projects and they provide for you and your family and you have a comfortable living. Do you think that for any other reason you would ever want to move back into more stable employment in the future, like if money is not a problem? If money is not a problem, yeah, there may still be... Having a consistent paycheck and having health insurance uh, covered you know, by the company and having a 401k matching, things like that, I am already missing. Like Just paying for health insurance myself is a shocking, uh, shocking amount of money. So having a, having a corporate employer is beneficial in, in many ways. I would consider it again if things go that direction. It's interesting when I hear things like that because simply not an issue here in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm, I don't mean that in 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 a way to like rub your face in it, but I, <laughs> you know, I just wonder if like how that that sort of stuff would make a difference for somebody being independent here and someone being independent there. Maybe contractors, maybe you earn more in the states. Well, did you did you hear the jobs report uh, that came out recently? No. Uh the 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 right wing here made a huge fuss because there were a lot of what they call jobs lost because of the Affordable Care Act. And the reality of it, and this is what is said in the report, was that people were suddenly not locked to their jobs by health insurance. Uh, you know, health insurance, if it becomes affordable, people can do more of what they want to. They can choose to do what I'm doing. And on a jobs report, my position was kind of lost, whereas I'm still producing, I'm still contributing to the economy. It just shows up different in a report. Yeah. And, and, and I do think that healthcare makes a huge difference, especially for people with a family and kids. You can't leave your job. You can't do what I'm doing because you, you, you wouldn't survive. So that's what I think, like, as I start to think more seriously about trying to be independent. I'm thinking about weighing up, you know, my finances and nothing will change for me. Like my bills will stay the same. 
if I was in America, I would have a significantly higher level of bills to pay. Yeah. Which and it's just a really interesting thing. I've just been because it's just been on my mind the last couple of weeks, and I was just thinking, like you know, it it, it seems like such a strange to me. It just seems strange, right? Because it's a, it's a totally different way of working and living. But um, yeah, it's interesting to think to think of it that way. Hmm. Well, I want to take a quick break, and then I want to talk about listener support with you, Brett. If that's okay. Sounds great. Because I know that's that's kind of been a big a big part of all of this. So our first sponsor for this week's episode of Command Space is Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo2. Squarespace are constantly updating their platform by adding new features, creating new designs, and making their support team even greater. They have absolutely beautiful templates that you can get started with when you're building a site on Squarespace, and they have tons of style options that you can adjust so you can really create and craft your own space on the internet. Everything is drag and drop with Squarespace in their page building system called Layout Engine. It's easy to add content from your own desktop, and you rearrange elements of content within a page or within the web browser. It's, it really is drag and drop. What you see is what you get. Squarespace makes sure that your site looks fantastic on any device because every single site that they make, all of their templates, all of their beautiful designs have their own unique mobile design too. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services so you can have content go out and you can pull content in to display on your site. Squarespace also has their e-commerce platform, Squarespace Commerce, and you can set up and a shop and sell things in just a few minutes. And now Squarespace Commerce is available in many more countries on, on every single plan that Squarespace gives. It used to be they had a business plan, but now on any Squarespace plan, you can set up Squarespace Commerce. Squarespace is super easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 really awesome Squarespace employees that are dedicated to customer support on their customer care team, and they are based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. If you are a developer or a designer, your time has come because you can now apply to be a part of the Squarespace team. Squarespace are looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th. That means that they are inviting potential candidates, and this could be you, it could be you, Brett, and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend completely on them. If you want to go hang out with Ryan and the crew over at Squarespace, then go check out beapartofit.squarespace.com. That's beapartofit.squarespace.com to find out more. As I mentioned earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name for free if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the code TALLYHO2. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 2. So thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Command Space. So I was going to use uh, Squarespace's new e-commerce feature. Mm-hmm. Because I invented a thing. Okay. I, I, I had a problem. Uh, the solution came to me during a nap. I woke up, uh, modeled it out, and started talking to people. And I was thinking I would produce it uh, through, you know, I, I would handle production and sales. I ended up working with the guy from uh, Block, Blocks, B-L-O-C. Have you ever seen those Apple TV holders? Yeah. I'm 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 kind of partnering up with him to make this happen, but I was I was excited to try out that Squarespace uh, e-commerce system with the 3D packing. Mm-hmm. It looked cool. 
It is really awesome. They they've done a great job of it actually. My um, co-host and buddy Brad on the Pen Addict, he actually he had a very successful Kickstarter uh, where he'd made pen cases, and he's going to be selling selling them after after the Kickstarter stuff's all finished using Squarespace Commerce. He nice. looked through everything, and that was the choice that he went with. So there you go. There's two endorsements for Squarespace Commerce. So yay Mr. for sponsors. Yay for sponsors. <laughs> Brett, why did you decide to go down the listener support route? Because when, when you announced that you were going full-time, you kind of put up a great post where you spoke about your choices and your why you wanted to do it. And you were kind of like, look, I, you know, to your readers, help me out here. Why did you decide to do this? Well, the the blog is one of my favorite things to do, but it doesn't really pay much. Um, sponsors help a lot, but a lot of the side projects I do, I give away for free, and and I kind of like doing that. But there were a lot of people I knew who were willing to offer, you know, a, a modest sum of money for all of the things that I hand out every day. Um, so I decided to, to implement a way for them to do that and to see how it went. And it wasn't like, it's not going to pay all my bills, just, you know, people's subscription, but it, 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 I got a significant amount of support and it encourages me to keep going and keep doing that. And I guess, I guess at, at first I just wanted to see if anyone cared. Turned out they did though. What were your expectations when you decided to put the post up? Did you think one person would sign up? Did you think a million people would sign up? Uh, the way any? I the way I usually the way my brain works is I calculate the minimum that would be you know a viable that would make it worthwhile and then I my brain immediately jumps to the maximum potential for it. So basically I had in my head a range that started at $3 total income to enough to pay my mortgage. And I came out somewhere in between. And it was exactly, yeah, from the listener support, it came out that way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had, I mean, like in the first hour after the post went up, I had about, I think, 40, 42 people signed up in the first hour at various levels of support. And what's crazy about it is I didn't offer anyone anything other than what I was already giving away for free. I didn't paywall anything. I didn't offer a newsletter. I just said, you know, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Help me, help me out. I want to ask you some questions about those little bits. But when you were when you were going into this, did you have any inspiration? Did you go anyone go to anybody for advice about this who's done this stuff themselves, or did you just go in on your own, full speed ahead? Um, you mean with the listener or the reader support thing? Yeah. Um, well, I talked to. Talked to a few other bloggers that I know are doing uh, doing that entirely. Like Sean Blanc was really helpful with kind of making some decisions. Um, uh, overall, though, I just I just I I absorb what I see around the the internet, and I'm constantly noticing how people are making money on their blogs. And I think I've just kind of compiled my own opinions on what would work. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm more than likely incorrect about a lot of things, but mostly I just I sponge up what everyone else is doing without really thinking about it. You know, you're just subconsciously aware of these things and they create a conscious uh, thought pattern for you. I feel like if you pay attention, you can see the trends like that. Yeah. Especially uh, even even if you, if you have enough 
background and experience, you don't even have to pay attention. You just you pick up things that you are familiar with anyway. Is running ads still something that's, that you, you're looking to do? Is there a point where you wouldn't do that? Well, basically right now I run one ad and then I have weekly sponsors. And I intend to keep up with the weekly sponsors because I can offer a week of decent exposure to small developers at a price they can afford. Um, and and everyone who has gotten back to me anyway, um, everyone who sponsored my blog has had more than enough uh, results to cover the cost. So it's a, it's almost a service that I can provide to independent developers. And, you know, it takes not too much of my time, not too much of theirs, and not a huge investment, and we all benefit from it. So I'm going to keep doing that. Ads, ads don't make a ton of money. It's kind of like extra spending cash. I could, I could see dropping that at some point. What about a paywall? You mentioned a paywall. Did, was that something that you just didn't even nearly I don't think want about it. considering? I don't want it. I don't want... Well, first of all, I like... My content is designed to be helpful. I like helping people. Uh, I, I post solutions to problems that I face. And I don't want to hide that from anyone. I want to give it to everyone, and if they feel it's worthwhile, then let them support it. I don't like the idea of hiding my stuff. For some people, it works. For some, for some news outlets, it works. But what I, yeah, what I do is it's kind of meant to be free. After the initial, you mentioned you had a pretty decent influx initially. Have people continued to to sign up? Is there like a trickling? It's trickling. Um, yeah, I mean, like now at this point, I get a couple signups every other day or so. Mm-hmm. But over the course of a few weeks, that adds up. Yeah. So I think over the next couple months, if I keep, I put a little thing in the bottom of all my RSS stories that just says, you know, this this is supported by people like you. Click here. Um, and I think a lot of the the people that are signing up are RSS readers that just kind of. Get, Get that over and over again and decide to do something about it. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll I think it'll continue to dwindle but but consistently grow. You mentioned about um not you 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 currently don't make any content that is um specific to your readers. Is that something you think about in the future? You mean the like newsletter kind of thing yeah or like you know like uh sean has his his daily podcast and yeah sean is a, a maniac with that stuff i know he uh, he has a pretty high output that guy yeah yeah it's it, it's crazy i mean he makes me look like a lazy yeah um <laughs> but the the thing is i i would love to do a newsletter for subscribers um and talk to you know offer a very specific type of information to a very specific group of people but I just don't have time, and I knew up front that it wasn't something I could say, you know, in the future I'll do this. Because I, I'm, my days are already packed, and I'm, well, because I'm split bec- between this whole blogging and reader-supported thing, application development, and then multiple writing projects. And those are three different modes that, that you, like, you have to make brain switches to get between them. And... It it's already more than I can handle. 
I bit off more than I could chew, especially on the writing stuff. Let's talk about some of your projects that you have going on at the moment. So we mentioned Systematic earlier, which is your show on 5x5. For anybody that hasn't listened to or, or for some crazy reason hasn't heard of Systematic, what what is the show about for you? What is Systematic? It's about uh, personalities. I, I tend to, well, I guess I always, I find people who are good at what they do or who have overcome a challenge in order to do what they do. And uh, and we talk about what makes them click. A, a lot of times it's nerdy stuff. It's I would say it's it's a 70% nerd show. But we have a lot of guests that aren't technically oriented. Uh, we have we have a lot of guests that like we we've had playwrights, comedians, people who aren't computer nerds, but are nerdy in what they do. They're nerds about whatever it is they do. And we kind of we dive into that with with a different guest every week. I should say I dive into that with a different guest every week. I like the royal we. We. I'm referring to systematic as an entity. Even yeah, but you guys refer to uh, I'm sorry, you guys as in <laughs> over the pond there. Mm-hmm. You guys refer to like Apple as a single. How is it? No, we refer to Apple as a group of people. as a, a group. Yeah, yeah, that always threw me off. Nick Fletcher when he used to write for the unofficial Apple weblog constantly ran into that with the editors would be like yeah it's not how it works because not in the u.s it isn't because we think of i mean i think the thinking comes from that we consider a company to be a sum of its parts the company didn't do something the people inside the company did it i understand that's why that makes more sense to me but americans can't understand it but there's no need going into that now people my friend (laughs) okay (laughs) how is systematic um changed over time has it changed it uh the goal has has completely remained the same i think if it's changed it's because i've gotten better and more comfortable with doing it it was my it is my first and only podcast right now um so when i started i i had i don't listen to podcasts i didn't know anything about podcasting and i got into it and realized you know maybe i shouldn't listen to too many podcasts because people like what i'm doing as kind of a blank slate and I know that if I listened to podcasts every day, I would be influenced by the things I liked in other podcasts. So I've kind of made a conscious decision to just keep developing my own style there. And and as that develops, I'm sure the show shifts in tone and personality. But really, everything's pretty much always been the same format, the same, you know, my personality driving it. I guess. What do you like about podcasting as a medium compared to writing? I guess for me, uh, I get to spend an hour a week talking to someone interesting, and I don't talk to people face-to-face a lot. I mean, not to say I never get out, and I talk to my wife all the time, <laughs> but but I don't enjoy long conversations. However, in a, a podcast interview format, I can really – I can lead the conversation – and I don't have to. I don't have to answer any questions, uh, generally. And it's 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 almost a social outlet for me. And then to be able to share that with a lot of other people, it, it adds a different dynamic to what what feels like a private conversation that you know is going to enlighten more than just you. So it feels um, noble almost. I like that. That's a really nice way of putting it. I like to hear other people's descriptions of, of podcasting and how they enjoy it. 
It's because it differs for different people, especially like if most people that I know that that podcast love that love podcasting. But as you say, you kind of don't listen to too many yourself. So it's interesting to hear your take on it. I quite like that. Do you well, think? Do you're you think, welcome. Do you think that you're going to to do more of this in the future? Is is that is that something you can you would consider doing? Podcasting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I have uh, I have Christina Warren lined up for a new one. Oh yeah. On five by five. Oh, is this a scoop? Yeah. Watch for that soon. Wow. It's, we're we're both in like nothing's in stone. We don't have a name for it yet, but we're both in, and 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 the the powers that be have said yes, we want to do it. <laughs> So that's where it's at right now, and I think it will happen. And, um, you know, because when you work under, like, a podcasting network and you have audio editors and you have ad sales and you can just focus on the podcast, you're talking a couple hours a week, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that is the real benefit when you can – for me – it's the infrastructure I don't need to consider because I had a podcast network, you know, I did it. Um, yeah. But I, 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 yeah, I, I love the, uh, I love just not having to, to worry about the hosting platform. It's just not, right. it's just not my thing to think about. And that's what I love. Cause I like, as you say, I like to just show up and make interesting and entertaining content. And that's what, you know, being part of five by five allows us both to do, I think. Right, and I love I love that freedom. That's cool, though. I really like Christina. She I had her on the show before, and I remember she used to do a show with Dan many moons ago. I think yeah. called Briefly Awesome. So that'll be great. I bet you two will be great together. I think it'll be fun. Well, I hope I hope that it comes to five by five soon. Me too. We will see. We will see. So let's talk about Marked. We mentioned it recently. Um, how has Marked developed? Because I know that you, you're into to version two. How has Marked changed over time? Um, it went from a really simple idea. Uh, the, the very most basic function of it is just to watch any text file uh, while you work in any editor and give you a live preview as you go. Um, and that's all it was when it first came out. And I, I wrote it in a couple of days. And uh, since then, it has become kind of a, a powerhouse of writing tools. Like I, it, when I started to think about how I would extend something that was a companion app to other text editors, I, I started thinking about what's missing from your average, you know, like Byword or Sublime Text or whatever you want to work in, Vim even. Um, and that would be advanced like text analysis tools things to tell you when you're repeating words or using, you know, uh, impassive voice, uh, too many adverbs and adjectives. And, um, it, uh, it, it just kind of started growing from there. And Mark two is where that all really took off. Mark one is very solid. It's on the app store, but it's, uh, it kind of, it stopped where Mark two picked up and that's with the, the real writing tools. So what are your future plans for the application? What are you working on with Marked now that you're able to put more time into it? I have sworn an oath to stop adding entirely new feature sets to Marked. I want to highly refine the features that it has right now. And right now I'm working on getting Mark 2 into the App Store. 
uh, which I think will be great for visibility, great for people who want the the convenience of the App Store ecosystem. And uh, uh, I guess from here, Marked is to be refined. Um, I have a couple other applications in the works, and I don't want to. I don't want to get into a point where I'm actually actively adding features to three different apps at once. Now, bearing in mind that I'm a layman on these things, hence why I'm probably asking this question in the first place, what 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 do you need to do to get marked ready for the App Store? Why isn't why isn't the, the current version in that state? The issue is it's sandboxing. Are you right. familiar with that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So basically, I have to request permission to access any file that the user hasn't explicitly opened, mm-hmm. and marked allows for all kinds of like you can you can combine multiple files. You can include files in other files. You can include images from anywhere on your drive. You can watch inside of Scrivener projects and and Voodoo Pad uh, files, and it does all these things that require consistent permission from the user. And there are a few features in Mark that just can't function uh, the way they're written in a sandboxed environment. So it's taking a lot of uh, a lot of rethinking the way I set things up in the original Marked and some rewriting because the original Marked wasn't sandboxed either. And that's kind of why it's at a standstill in the app store. Oh. I, can't, I can't add features to it without sandboxing it. And so I decided to concentrate on sandboxing Mark too. Is it going to be possible to, to sandbox it and keep the feature set, like to keep parity uh, with feature sets? It's looking like it, yes. My, my ultimate goal is to have complete feature parity and if that means I have to trim down some features from the non-App Store version, features that may not be extremely popular uh, and are problematic, I may drop them so that what you get in the App Store is exactly the same as what you get outside of the App Store. Why do you want to do that? To help with support? Or uh, to, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's really hard to constantly have to... The first question you ask is, is this the App Store version? Um and then it's, someone might think that they've got it from the App Store, but they haven't. Right, and, and then, marketing yeah. gets confusing. And it's uh, if I have them exactly the same, I can I can literally sell the App Store version outside of the App Store uh, with just a different licensing mechanism that detects whether you're uh, sorry um, whether you, whether you're you're running from the App Store or not. Did having marked one in the App Store prove to be beneficial? Yes. Like, yeah. more, was it substantially more so than selling directly for you? I, I think I think so. Uh, Mark got, aside from a daring fireball, um, it got uh, featured by Apple in several countries, several times, and that kind of exposure you just can't get on uh, out, out out in the wild. Like within the App Store, you have this kind of captive audience that when they log into the App Store, if your app is featured, it, you're going to be seen by millions more people than you ever could, even with you know a direct link from the biggest blogs in the world. So is it worth developing an app for the App Store on the off chance that that will happen? Is that how much of a difference it makes? It depends on your time investment. I do think that that it's... I mean, it's not hard. If you start from scratch with a sandboxed app and you have any programming experience, Xcode and Cocoa make it really easy to get ideas working. 
And if you take the time and polish up a small app and put it on the App Store, and it didn't take you, you know, like 200 hours to make it, it, w- it would be an awesome payoff. It got featured, but it wouldn't be a huge loss if it didn't. Right. And and even if it doesn't, it's still it's still there for people to search for and find. And and because Apple handles all of the uh, transactions and taxes and everything, it's very little effort on your part to you know to try out the water. Sometimes it's beneficial just to give people a place to buy something. Yeah, like, a market space. It's like having being on the App Store is like having a window front in a mall. Whereas being outside of the app store is like having something down on Second Street, off to the, outside of downtown, and you just hope that your, you know, the the yellow pages ad you ran brings some people by because there's no foot traffic. That makes sense. Right, I want to take a quick break for our second sponsor for this episode, and I have a few more questions about uh, about your future projects. I think it's probably the best way to put it. Hmm. We're gonna we're gonna look at the into the crystal ball for a moment, I think. So our second sponsor for this week is New Relic. If you've got a web or mobile application, you need to know about New Relic. New Relic is a developer's best friend because it's easy to use analytics dashboard that gives developers powerful code level visibility into real time performance of their applications. This means you can spot bugs, see bottlenecks, and fix problems fast before they ever affect your users. Thanks to New Relic, you no longer have to ship an app to production and then helplessly wait around, hoping for the best until negative reviews and tweets start to pour in. New Relic empowers software engineers by showing them what's working and what isn't all in real time. The way it works is very straightforward. New Relic gives developers a lightweight agent that you unpack into your production-level applications. The agent sits quietly and securely in the background, gathering real-time metrics across geographies, devices, platforms, all the way down to end-user level, and then displays all that data in real-time graphs so that coders and developers have total visibility into their performance of their web and mobile applications. So, listen up. I want you to go and check out New Relic now by visiting newrelic.com slash command space, and that's all spelled out, C-O-M-M, a-N-D-S-P-A-C-E. Now you can go here to learn more and you want to use the offer code CMD plus S-P-A-C-E, so the show name, and take advantage of this special 30-day extended free pro trial available exclusively to all listeners of Command Space. Build better performing apps, get deeper insights, and spot bottlenecks quickly and overall improve in performance with New Relic. If you want to find out more about the codes that I mentioned you want to go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 84. That's where you also find all of the show notes for today's episode. Thanks so much to New Relic for supporting this show and all of 5x5. So, Mr. Terpstra, you have, you have hinted at a couple of other projects that you're working on. And you've mentioned these in other places. You mentioned them in the blog post when you announced your independence from the shackles of corporate employment. One being a tagging book. Now, I'm going to assume that this is like OS X tagging type stuff we're talking about here. It's uh, It'll translate to older open meta as well, but yes. Why a book on tagging? Because uh, everybody wants to know why they would want to tag. 
it's uh, it's a it's a it's a question I get so frequently that I decided a blog post doesn't cover it. Um, basically, there are very few people out there right now who who tag who who understand why they would want to tag or why the future depends on them tagging. And I want to help people not only figure that out but develop tagging systems intelligently so that they don't end up with a mess in a year that that was more harmful than good. So were you tagging your files before Mavericks? Oh yeah, I've been tagging for years. So you are the man to come to in this scenario. I I I think so. I'm I started tagging back before there using Spotlight comments. You know, I developed tagging systems that worked in Spotlight comments, which was fragile and horrible. Uh, I worked all the way from there through Open Meta up into Mavericks, and yeah, I, I have a lot of experience with this. Are you going to be independently publishing the book? No, that's actually going to be published through uh, uh, Tidbits, Take Control book. Ah, so it'd be like Take Control of Tagging. Yeah. Cool. When are we looking to see this out into the wild? Uh, I'm supposed to have chapters to them this week, but I'm also working on a video for Peach Pit, um, uh, like part of Pearson Publishing, yeah. and that has taken up my last two weeks uh, prepping and scripting for that. So I'm a little bit behind on the tagging book, but all of it should be out by you know late spring slash summer. Is the Peach Pit video on tagging, or is it something else completely? It's on something else completely. Something else I'm really good at. You probably guess. I'll Look, tell you if you get it right. Looking after dogs. Well, mm, no. No. Hmm. One more try. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Really? Well, you're good at so mark, many mark, things. It's, it, it's Markdown. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Well, you're good at everything. Nah. How could I have really. said, oh, is it a book about, is it a sort of a tutorial about everything? <laughs> it's just called 42. <laughs> the Brett Guide. <laughs> and I understand that you're working on a children's book. Yes. Now, this That's... is interesting to me. It's going really well. Why a children's book? Do you have children? I do not. So I what? don't even like kids. <laughs> I don't, I don't even want to know what this. <laughs> so why are you um, working on a children's book? Where did this idea come from? And what's the, what's the book about? Okay, so the idea came from. I did a book with David Sparks uh, that it was uh, sixty mountain lion tips, and it had, now it's now it's sixty Mac tips because most of them still applied in Mavericks. So uh, you should look for that. But it's an interactive book in that it has a lot of embedded video and explanations. Um, but while I was working on that in iBooks Author, I realized the potential for using HTML5 in a book. And the most intriguing way I could think of to use that was to create rich children's kind of... Uh, you remember uh, pop-up, the books with the pop-up castles and stuff? Yeah. I wanted to remake that as uh, like an iPad, entertaining, uh, visually, but with a good story. And that's the idea just kind of started growing. And I, I found an illustrator uh, from the Minneapolis College of Art and Design who had just graduated, and her work was unbelievably good. And so we brought her on. She's like a full author on the book. My wife and I started working on a story, 
I ended up hiring a copywriter because I don't know how to talk to kids. Um, but yeah, like it's all it's coming together. It'll it'll be in my hands soon to start doing the animations and the interactivity. But it's like it's an immense project. I don't think that one will be out be out in probably until end of year. So but, it's basically uh, like a pop up book for the twenty first century. Exactly. And no one's really pulled it off yet. There are a few interactive animated books out there. Yeah. But but I think there's potential for something way more. I think the people that were going to got bought by Facebook, right? They push pop press. Oh yeah. I, yeah, something like that. I think that's what they were after. I think they were the guys who developed the new paper app. Really? Yeah, I think they were behind it. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Oh, you you mean Facebook's paper app? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the many paper apps, right? Yeah, one of those in a stack of paper. You mentioned other app ideas. Yeah. Are they like small things, big things? Are you developing a text editor for iOS? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. I have uh, in my notes, I have some iOS text editors, yes. Um, the ones I'm currently working on are relatively small. I'll, I'll tell you, I, this one I can talk about. I need a replacement for NVALT. I need a modern code base and I need a non-GPL code base and I need something that is as fast and as uh, lovable as NV, as NVALT and notational velocity are. Mm-hmm that I can put in the app store and actually sell. So that is one of my top priorities right now is basically rewriting NVALT as a new application. And, uh, and then the others, the other one that is half finished is a utility. And the other one is a package of services that add functionality to your Mac. Um, but yeah, they're kind of all, nothing has a deadline yet. Do you think that a text editor is something you can keep small? Like I, you. Well, see, the notational velocity replacement, yes. Right. It, it doesn't need a ton of features, and I would avoid that. My big project that I haven't gotten beyond a mind mapping stage on is it's a like it's as far as you could make a text editor possibly go. It's huge. It's like an all-purpose document, note, writing, management, application that fits, that scratches all of the itches that I have in that, those areas. But it's, it's a behemoth, and I, I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition. Is that for the Mac? Yeah. yeah that's what else would it be for? You mean for iOS? Yeah. Well, iOS, is, everything's so compartmentalized on iOS that you don't need the kind of thing that I have in mind. Right. Like you just you can't like this this application would gather your disparate data from all kinds of different applications and give you a central repository with additional features that make sense there. You can't do that on iOS. Like iOS, if I made something for iOS, it would just be another text editor. And there, are, as you know, already about ninety good text editors. Well, you'd on be the, the man to know, iOS. right? You would know if anybody knows. You know. I know. I, I get a count every day. I text editors. Yeah. Put that in the show notes. People can find that too. Um, the, the, the way you described that, that Mac text editor, it kind of sounds like something that would eventually just gain its own intelligence. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, see, Devin Think Pro or Devin Office. What's the Devin? 
I have You're asking the wrong guy, buddy. Yeah, Devin Think Pro Office is I think they took the office up. But I was Devin just Think saying, that's the name. That's not a good name. <laughs> Devin Think Pro is like insanely smart when it comes to document management and it does a lot of basically artificial intelligence kind of semantic text analysis and audit tagging, tagging and everything. And I don't think I would try to replicate that. Uh, but it, but the potential is there with an app like that to go completely bananas. And at that point, I would need a development team. Yeah, That would be more than I could develop and maintain on my own. Is there anything else that you're working on aside from these things if you, or, or anything you want to hint at that's currently in the works from yourself or if we kind of covered most of it? I think we've covered the wide array of of my current pursuits. I think looking at the way that we've had this discussion, I think it's pretty clear to me why you're sticking at being independent for a while. Like you have so much going on and knowing you as I do and I think as we all do, these seem to be things that you really love. You're working on things that you actually genuinely love and care about. So I can't see at the moment any reason why you would want to go back into full-time employment. I agree. I, I am passionate about everything I'm doing every day now, and I love that. I mean, that's a rare thing to get. So it's kind of, you know, if you get it, keep it. Definitely. So, Mr. Terpshire, where can people find you on the internet if they would like to do so? Where can they keep up with the hundreds of thousands of things that you're doing every day? The best spot is brettterpstra.com. And, yeah, that, that URL has three Ts in the middle of it. It's horribly awkward, but... Somehow memorable. People. Maybe not. I have a text expander snippet for it. For your own name? Yeah. So I think that tells you that you've got a, a difficult name. Although you can you can get to my website using trpstra.net. Much easier. I didn't even catch that. Is that it's it's terpstra.net but with no E at the beginning. Okay. I don't know if that's easier. Probably the easiest way is to just Google Brett Terpshire. <laughs> or even, even easier is to go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 84. It's more spelling. I mean, if you can't spell, then you're kind of, you're not going to do well. Why would you be, oh, I suppose you could be, no. If you can't spell, you wouldn't get much out of the web anyway, unless you're just watching YouTube videos. But you definitely wouldn't get anything out of my site if you can't spell. So it, it works out. Where else can people find you? Twitter, your TT Scoff, right? TT I'm actually TT Scoff everywhere from Last.fm to GitHub to Twitter to app.net. If you need me anywhere, just search for TT Scoff. TTScoff.com. Is that not... is actually pointing to a blank server right now, but I own that. Well, the virtual host is set up successfully, so that's good. Yes. We know. I, just, I, I had it pointed at my GitHub, my. Uh, my GitHub Pages account, but mm. I just moved it last night. You missed it. <sighs> so close. One I also own Rabbit Hole, downrabbithole.es. <laughs> and I, I, have, uh, I, have in, I have intentions and plans for that, but it's sitting on a back burner right now. <laughs> I don't even want to go down the, the what domains you have. That's like a oh. whole... <laughs> I have... I have, I have over 60 domains across three different providers, yeah. I feel like one day I'll get like you and Merlin and somebody else and just be like, right, let's just get the domains on the table, guys. <laughs> you go to markdownrules.com. 
Okay. People can see how slowly I type. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, I've, I've seen this. I remember when you set this up. That yeah, there's, that's actually three domains in one. Oh, yeah? Because you, you got the markdown rules, you got the heck yes markdown, and then the other one that you can't say on the air. <laughs> oh, yeah, now I know why I remember it. <laughs> Mr. Tepsha, thank you so much for being here. You're today. welcome. It's thank you for having me. If you want to catch up with me online, you can find me on Twitter. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Um, I'll be back next week with another episode of Command Space. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.